0: You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 80 on today's show, the Trafficking in Persons Report 2014 and Media. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak, And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, it's been a little bit since we've been together in studio here. I am so glad to see you again. And I need to reintroduce you as Dr. Sandy Morgan. Oh, Thank you. Uh, Sandy recently finished her PhD at Biola University, and uh, would you maybe tell us a, just a bit about what you uh, what you did? And I think we should have an episode at some point to talk about some well, of the work you've done.
1: That would be really a good idea. I finished my dissertation on the as a study of the International Higher Education Partnership that we developed with friends in Duhok in northern Iraq and so you've heard a little bit about that as we've um, as we've gone through the last few years so that was an amazing journey and it would certainly be a good topic for a podcast so we'll come back and revisit that especially because of the link to human trafficking and just this January we sent a team to the border city of Dehoke to train Um, leaders and law enforcement and policymakers on human trafficking. We sent our friend Judge David Carter. um, We sent recently retired Anaheim Police Chief John Welter and our Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force Victim Advocate Sherry Harris. Mm -hmm. So it was a powerful team with all three aspects of fighting human trafficking from a community-based partnership with law enforcement.
0: I love how you've integrated your work so much with your studies and your your own professional development Sandy it's it's so exciting. And Congratulations on the degree. I know it's been a oh, it's been you. many years you've been working on it and it is yeah. it is so exciting to see you at the end of the journey but really the beginning for so many people that are Benefiting from the work you're doing.
1: Well, so. and that's really one of my main goals. I want to be the sharpest um, tool in the toolbox. And this is just one way of making sure that
0: I'm at the cutting edge. I do seem to remember hearing something about studying the issues. Uh, I've oh, I've heard that phrase right. somewhere before. That's yes, right. Yes.
1: So I really do. And that's why I really want everybody to take a moment and go to the State Department website to look at this year's trafficking in persons report it is really has a lot of
0: material in it and that is our topic today to look at the 2014 trafficking in persons report and for those who have not um, listened to a previous episode when we've we usually do cover this every year sandy when it is released by the state department and so um, for those who may not have heard a past episode or may not be familiar with the report um, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what the report is, um, why it's important in the conversation on human trafficking in our country, and then we can maybe get into some of the details of what's in this year's report.
1: Perfect. Well, the trafficking in persons report is mandated by the original Trafficking Victims Protection Act. So the first report was produced in two thousand. So we're we've got um a a large archive of history to go back and review. Um, it's always released by the Secretary of State and the um, by the Ambassador of the um, Human Trafficking that runs the office to monitor and combat human trafficking in the State Department. So Friday, June 20th, um, Secretary John Kerry and Ambassador Louis C. DeBaca released this with a press conference. Um, the Trafficking in Persons Report has a country study that is divided up into prevention, protection, and prosecution, and it will evaluate how a country is doing in their efforts to do prevention, to protect victims, to provide rehabilitation services, and then finally to prosecute. And prosecutions have trended and risen considerably from those early days. And the um, the influence and encouragement that d- doing this annual report creates a benchmark that countries are submitting their their progress. And while it's not a perfect um, program, it does give us opportunity to check in and see. For, for example, we just came back from teaching a class. We took five students to Italy to do training with leaders, community leaders, and their preparation for going to Italy was to go through all of the country studies since 2000 and create a timeline uh, as a country study of where Italy was, what were the main issues, and where they are now. And I would recommend any student, I saw a student yesterday getting ready to leave um, to India and she's an intern out of UCLA. And so she's like, how can I prepare? Well, if you're going to India, there are 14 years of, now 15 years of reports on what is happening in India to combat human trafficking. So even if you're just going on a vacation, if you wanna be aware of what's happening in the country where you're visiting even if you're going to um, Pakistan or, or Malaysia, Australia, go to the TIP report and look through the archives and search for the country that you're interested in and see what their efforts have accomplished to this state.
0: And they're really easy to access because they're on the State Department website. You can download the full report right on your web browser. It's a PDF, so really easy to get. And of course, we'll put a link in the show notes to it as well for people to get to it very easily, so you can see this year's version. But um, like you said, really easy to go and grab the previous years, and it's and it is a you know, and and of course you've said too. I mean, no report's perfect, um, but it is a a what's really good about this is it's been something that's been done consistently. Over the years, and they're using similar, a similar model, similar reporting system, so you can really see the progression now over the years. As as just we've been watching this over the last four or five years, we've really seen some, exactly some interesting exactly. things change that they've and, been reporting. And let
1: on. me explain my caveat because I'm not at all against any of any part of the report, um, but there are limitations to what you can gather on a global scale, or in in one year. There is a, a section on methodology in the in the opening section that um, students should certainly review. but my caveat comes out of my personal experience working in the Kurdistan Regional government area of northern Iraq and listening to some of my friends and colleagues and partners there say, well, the when it when you look for for what's happening in our area, it's blended into, um, to the bigger part of Iraq, and so they were concerned that people might think the uh, difficult situations that were in one part were also there, and so they wanted to explain that. And I think I think that's a, a legitimate concern because this can't be a comprehensive
0: report. So it is. It's helpful probably to think about it, and as we're reading through it, especially on countries. To think of this as a broad brushstroke of here are some yes. here are some high-level things in this country as a whole that that the State Department's seen, but knowing that in individual areas, locales, regions, things may be very different than that broad brushstroke. Exactly.
1: Brush it's kind of like when you're flying and you see the houses and you see the farms and you see the city, um, but if you really want to get to know it, you're going to have to land
0: yeah okay that makes sense
1: so well one of the very exciting things is in is this particular tip report is about the journey of victim to survivor and Mm. so a couple of our friends are featured in the report oh cool carissa
0: phelps yeah that's right she was on the show uh early on in fact i'm gonna look here she was on episode number 19 originally that was very beginning of the show. And I
1: think she talked about her book, Runaway Girl. She did. She did. Yeah. And then recently, um, Shima Hall, who released her book, um, Hidden Girl, as a child labor trafficking victim, was on the
0: show. And she's in the report as well. She's in the report too. Very good. She was on episode of fairly recently, number 73. So you can hear their stories in detail on both of those episodes and, and of course, now find them in the report, I
1: guess, too. Exactly. And both of those girls were um, wonderful advocates at our Insured Justice Conference in the past. And so I want to remind listeners that they should start planning now for Insured Justice 2015. It will be March 6th and 7th, Friday and Saturday, March 6th and 7th. 2015. And I say that because I ran into someone this last week who said, I didn't have the actual dates in my calendar and I should have had it out at least six months. And I missed insure justice this year.
0: Well, and you'll be hearing more from us as we get closer to the dates, but definitely put those on your calendar here and it'll be in uh, beautiful Southern California and Orange County. So it's a good time of the year to come visit us and to, um, Continue to study these issues and to be a voice, and and then to dialogue with others about how to really make a difference out in the world. And so, um, so speaking of which, I know that you mentioned, as far as studying the issues on this report, Sandy, that there are some things in this report that are new this year that we haven't seen before, and one of them relates to media. And so, I'm I'm interested because you've read the report already. I have not yet. Um, What is it that's new with media? Tell me more about that.
1: Well, the report becomes uh, a valuable tool for helping us learn how to be a better advocate in our own community because we see um, clear definitions. We understand um, who who the victims are, how to identify them. And we've talked in the past about best practices for identification and intervention that have been in the report, but they added in media best practices this year, and it is brilliant, Mm -hmm. just brilliant. Of course, you all know that that's um, an area I've always been um, greatly concerned about, and you'll know that we've talked about some of these issues on this show. So as they um, outlined media best practices, they're, they're very kind, they're they're not um, saying, okay, journalists, shape up. They're not doing that at all. They, they really want media to continue to play an enormous role shaping perceptions and guiding the public conversation about this crime. That's a direct quote from their introduction on this. Um, but they also acknowledge that in the recent years, because it's such a hot topic, People may have relied on misinformation, outdated statistics. Um, they may have written things that actually might be like blaming the victim or used terminology that is um, not exactly accurate. So they really landed on this issue so they could give you a, a, a close-up perspective. And one of the one of the um, promising practices is how they. They identify this for journalists, and I would I would apply this not just to journalists. I would I would apply this to community advocates that speak at their local um, service clubs, like Soroptimist or Rotary Club, to students who are involved in um, campus versions. I saw a great high school video of. Of mm-hmm. budding broadcast journalists who did their own expose on human trafficking. Mm, interesting. So th- there are a lot of people who can benefit from from reviewing these
0: practices. Well, so, and media is such a broad term these days, Sandy. And you know what we have done at the Global Center for Women and Justice is made a decision to produce media like this that you're listening to mm-hmm. right now in order to get the message out and to study the issue. So this this is this speaks to us in a lot of ways too.
1: Absolutely. We're going to make sure that we follow these. Their first promising practice is language matters. And we've had some great conversations about language, haven't we? We
0: have. We have.
1: Mm. So they want to make sure that people understand the difference between a survivor and a victim. Um, the difference between prostitution and sex trafficking, and, you know, that we prefer to use the term commercial sexual exploitation to describe, um, the accurate, um, context that someone's making money. So it's commercial. And then the exploitation is, that's a term that, that carries with it an understanding of an experience that is harmful. Um, the the use of of human trafficking as kind of a a big bucket term for a lot of different kinds of crimes the tip report cautions us not to decide that something is human trafficking until it's really been carefully um vetted for all of the complexities of human trafficking and they suggest and put it in italics in the report that journalists become familiar with trafficking definitions of international law, and particularly the Palermo Protocol to the United Nations Transnational Organized Crime Convention. One of the great things, and we'll do a podcast on with our students that went to Italy, but they visited the United Nations um, Criminal Research Institute Headquarters in in um, Torino, um, Italy. So wonderful to begin to understand the scope of how um, these definitions are legally um, addressed. So, um, so they caution journalists from using outdated terms or incorrect definitions because while it may seem like we're raising awareness, um, we're also weakening the real understanding and comprehension of the community. And I've, I've had people come and say to me that, well, I know you don't like this particular movie because it's not really accurate. It's really a Hollywood piece and it's not supposed to be real life, but, but it did raise awareness. Well, it also contributes to some misunderstandings and misconceptions about human trafficking
0: and sometimes no information is better than poor information because it is it is very difficult when someone has formed an opinion about something to then change that opinion to or to correct a misperception so mm-hmm. we really do bear a responsibility all of us who are working on this issue to as- go on the assumption that we are providing people with the framework that they may not have heard before and so it really does yes. The responsibility comes on us to make sure we lay that foundation in a way that is accurate and represents the issue appropriately
1: absolutely absolutely and um the, the next item on their promising practices is to recognize the dangers of re-victimization um, being cautious to treat people with respect and dignity because it is a big story And getting into the gory details means more people are going to read what you wrote. And so the temptation to um, not be cautious and not integrate some practices that will um, maintain dignity and respect, that's always going to be a very present danger. The suggestion here is even with photos and names, don't publish without consent um, never speak with a minor without a victim specialist or guardian present. This has to be a standard for many reasons. You put yourself, um, at risk for some sort of, um, legal action. And also to understand that there are a lot of complex safety issues involved. First of all, a survivor may actually, um, that may be a trigger for um, post-traumatic stress disorder. So they may have um, a physical and emotional reaction and it, it sets them back in their recovery journey. But again, sometimes the trafficker has not been um, apprehended and may this may place that victim at risk for um, being harmed by the trafficker. And then when we tell survivor stories, um, we need to also remember that the um, engaging service providers and NGOs um, might be our best um, partners in understanding and learning how how to best approach them. because we don't want to um, the demands placed on survivors are very real. and they want to be a voice, but they also want to get on with their lives. And there have been instances in my career, where I've met survivors who tell me, please don't tell anybody that I'm a survivor because I don't want to become defined by who I was. Mm -hmm. I want to go on and be who I am. I want a new life. And sometimes um, taking on the role of survivor advocate, there's a cost to your personal well-being and um, maintaining that, that dignity and sense of um, purpose is part of that role. And journalists can play a part in, in making sure that a survivor really wants to be an advocate and not pressuring them. the The other, the other aspect is we might sometimes inadvertently only tell half of the story. And so we need to do just like we do with other journalism um, uh, strategies. We need to fact check our story. We need to do it from several different perspectives so we get the full context. So you may not want to just interview somebody that's working with victim advocates, but you also want to talk to law enforcement and understand their perspective and understand, um, I, I love the the we talked about the five year strategic plan. It explains in there why sometimes uh, federal agencies use terminology that we aren't comfortable with. Like I don't like to talk about juvenile prostitution because I think that's an oxymoron. We can't we can't decide that a child has agency to decide to be a prostitute, and that's what's inherent in that term. Well, some, many of our laws provide resources based on the terminology, juvenile prostitution. So we're going to have to give ourselves time for these kinds of terms to change, but it doesn't change the fact that a child is not a prostitute.
0: It's really interesting to me, Sandy, how many of the things you've just mentioned that are in the report this year are things that you've been educating me on over the last yeah. two to three years on this show. And so I... have as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking if this is, if the kinds of things that Sandy's saying are resonating with you, I'd I'd really encourage you to take a look back through the archives of the show because there's a lot. I, mean, I just think about like some of the words as far as choosing vocabulary. Mm-hmm. While we've done entire shows on that, and that's that really is something I know I was not familiar with prior to knowing you and serving on the board and really understanding more of how language really does make a difference and and that's of course just one small piece of what you said so there's yes. there's a lot here a lot here
1: the um the the rest of the half of the story uh, this is There is a sense that in media, we prefer to talk about sex trafficking, and it's not very engaging to talk about labor trafficking. And that's one of the reasons I really loved that we had Shima Hall as um, a guest on this program. As a labor trafficking victim, her book really expresses um, where the trauma and um, the experience of labor exploitation is worth our interest and worth our advocacy. So uh, journalists tell the other half of the story is basically what they're saying here. And then they move on. I know our time's running out, but they they move on and they talk about numbers. They call it the numbers game. Reporters lead with numbers. Statistics are a messy business. They are. And um, we've talked before about this and, and there's an article um, on our show notes and we'll put it up here again, that expresses how some of the statistics on juvenile prostitution have been arrived at and the extrapolations that then become such common common knowledge that people don't go back and check how they were arrived at. And sometimes somebody was sitting at a desk and said, hmm, this sounds like a good number, but they said it often enough and people quoted them often enough. Nobody asked how, who counted, who counted.
0: Mm, interesting. So we
1: don't know those numbers. We know numbers when, when we actually can count people. Like this last weekend, last week, they had another Operation Cross Country um, uh, sweep from the Innocence Loss campaign with the FBI, and 168 children and youth were picked up and identified as commercially sexually exploited children.
0: So those are numbers you can use. And um, if, and of course, it is so challenging, even f- for folks who have access to the you know, and and even when we look at the actual numbers, because there are so many cases that are not reported and people who are not found. So it it is hard to really find the. Actual numbers. Well, and now
1: that we have a new statistical conundrum because exactly why I don't like using the term juvenile prostitute, um, we're not capturing that information now in a lot of places because we're using a victim-centered approach, with, and rightly so. So now then, um, because we send them to um, a shelter instead of juvenile detention, we don't have the numbers for how many have been picked up that way. We're not tracking that, we don't have a system. Hmm. So though that's something that's happening. And there are many innovative um, new government initiatives to better deal with how we capture that data. And that again was recognized in the five-year strategic plan. We need more research to improve our understanding. The last two um, points that they highlight on promising practices is to keep reporting human trafficking happens. Um, it is important to to go deeper and find out who are the most vulnerable and what kind of help is offered, what your community is doing. That's really the story. In Orange County, we've had some great, great reporters who talk about what is happening right here. And that's the place we can be an expert. This is where we landed. We're not doing 30,000 foot for the whole nation, but we can know what's happening in Orange County. And actually the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force produces an annual report. And I believe in their 2013 report, they identified 226 trafficking victims in Orange County. That's a lot. And finally, the last promising practice is about advocacy journalism. Because human trafficking is a very popular topic for journalists because it makes social impact. And journalists can um, often become friends with the survivors, and they can even sometimes be involved in um, making friends with with victims and that they want to help come out of their victimization. But they need to make sure journalists need to remember. They are not victim services. They're not law enforcement, and they they need to be um, in touch with victim assistance that is offered by accredited organizations. We have we have a lot of laws, and to understand what a real rescue means is a story in and of itself. And we want to be able to connect a victim to a a, a validated legitimate service providers so that they're safe, their needs are met, and then they have opportunities that are available to them through our legal system to provide even more services. So advocacy journalism is um, sometimes tricky when we want to make sure that we always place the welfare of the victim before our story.
0: And I think one question that comes up for probably some people around that, Sandy, is how do I know if an, an organization or an agency is accredited? And is, is that the, the time that a, a call to 888-3737-888 is, is helpful as far as beginning to weed out, you know, where are the right places that I should be seeking out resources?
1: Absolutely. That is exactly that 888 37 number is our National Human Trafficking Resource Center. It houses the hotline so you can use it as a hotline, but it also has um, resources to help you find the local providers in your area.
0: Fabulous. But Sandy, I I know there's so much here in this report and uh, I would really encourage People who uh, have an interest in learning more about this to to check it out online because there is so much here and you can really look in great detail here on the report and uh, and go into a find a lot of information as Sandy mentioned about each of the countries that are there and uh, Sandy I, before I, I let everyone go I just want to remind folks that the our, the conference is coming up so if this is something that has struck your interest of wanting to really get beyond what's in writing and actually start to have dialogue with other folks who care about this issue and want to continue to make progress on studying the issues, being the voice and making a difference as to marking your calendar. It's a, you know, it's, it's nine months away, but it's, it's really just around the corner as far as planning, uh, March 6th and 7th, 2015, a Friday, Saturday, it'll be, uh, here in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, Orange County at the campus, uh, or at least the plan is the campus at Vanguard University here, and so we would love to see you. And uh, and if you're not able to make it out, there's other ways you can participate as well too. And one way you can participate is to do what uh, the person who is named Film Pro Eight on iTunes did, which is to leave a comment about this show. You know, Sandy, you talked about media mm-hmm. a lot about this report and. You know, we have made a very conscious to- choice as a center to engage in media through podcasting in order to um, really help all of us to study these issues and to do it in a way that's responsible that provides a strong foundation based in research, based on the work you've done in your in your career and the the thousands of hours of volunteer work you've done over the years, in addition to your professional work of really learning about this issue and to get that out there. And one way that you can help us to get that message out there is to um, be an advocate for this show. So uh, all that to say, thank you to the person named FilmPro8 on iTunes for writing a really nice written review on the show. That is a huge help when people go on iTunes and search for something like human trafficking or go on to Stitcher. So if you're using either of those services, if you would take a moment to uh, hop on there and uh, write uh, a review about the show and what you think about the show and how it's been helpful to you that is a huge help uh, to us we always appreciate it but more importantly it's going to help more people to find the show and for this show to be a resource for even more folks out there and that is uh, that is what we're all about and Sandy if folks want to reach out to us they can always reach us by email right? Yes our email is gcwj at vanguard.edu. And if you're here in the States and would like to reach us by phone and have a question for us live, you can always reach out to us at 714-966-6360. And the podcast show notes and all the previous shows and a lot of other information is on our website. And you can get there by going to gcwj. Dot vanguard.edu. Dot and GCWJ stands for the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University, which produces this show. Sandy, always a pleasure and uh, look forward to talking to you again in two weeks. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Take care, everyone.